the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, it is week three NFL recap and our Monday night football preview, Giants and Cowboys. That's coming up. We also have the hot read look ahead lines to week four, just after midnight here on the East Coast, Sunday night football or whatever we just watched, that crap game. Uh, (laughs) It concludes Broncos and Niners. Thank you for finally wrapping up. Just some quick nuggets for you before we get started. Brendan Glasheen, your host with Brandon Anderson and Jill Gallant, both contributors at Action Network. So, underdogs, big, big showing by the dogs today. 10 and 4 against the number, 8 and 6 straight up. So, if you have any money line picks on the dogs today, kudos to you. Podcast picks from Thursday, 6 and 3. Two gentlemen I'm with today, they were a big part of that. We're 17 and 10 now for the season. It's a way to plug, catch the weekly Best Bets episodes via the Action Network podcast every Friday morning. And uh, also the kitchen sink spot. Brandon was hitting on this at the end of last Mm -hmm. week. Panthers, Bengals, Falcons, three 0-2 teams. They won outright and they covered big spots. We were on all three of those teams in Best Bets. So let's get to the Sunday recap, shall we? Folks, we're we're leaning in to to the pizza theme because – as Jill said, who who doesn't like pizza? You said you guys could order a pizza, huh? Three or four minutes each for these games here that we're going to discuss because we feel these games, the deep dish pizzas here, these games deserve that attention. Brandon Anderson, we'll start with you. Buffalo, Miami, quite the doozy. The heat got to the Buffalo Bills. It felt that way during this game. Guys coming out of the game, cramping up. The Dolphins, they win 21-19. They knock off the Bills and they cover four and a half points. Yeah, move over, butt fumble. We got ourselves a butt punt here. Big day for Mark Sanchez. You're off the hook, buddy. The Bills get get stuffed late at the goal line. They pin them back. They block the punt, we thought. No, just punt it into the rear <laughs> of their own linemen. I kind of feel like that might have actually helped Miami. Like, if that punt deflects forward five or ten yards, the Bills get the ball right there, probably score a touchdown and win the game. Instead, they were down four, they take the two points, they punt the ball deep on the free kick and then end up holding on late, time runs out, just lots of little things in this game that did not go Buffalo's way, and the Dolphins get the upset. Miami Dolphins, 3-0, and top of the AFC East, obviously got the cover, got the win, I'm seeing plus 172 on the money line. Miami snapped a seven-game win streak for the Bills. Buffalo was missing five defensive starters, and this was the game that we were all waiting for. Joe, what did you see on this one? Yeah, of course that uh, somehow you make a conspiracy that the butt punt was all part of the plan, you know, (laughs) because uh, by that logic, then the game just had a ton of drama. And I think that was the best part about this game, specifically of this week, because a lot of duds this week actually kind of felt like an NFL playoff game, you know, just the vibe of it. Uh, 3-0 now the Dolphins. I I mean – just like last week and week two, I wrote them off twice in this game, especially when Tua got knocked out in the second quarter, you know, back issue. Somebody was uh, saying it might have been a concussion. 
But Brandon, I mean, how bad is Teddy Bridgewater that in the second quarter, Dolphins betters were like, oh my God, could Tua just be okay? Because it was so bad that those couple of series that Teddy was out there. Um, I mean, I don't really want to overreact to Buffalo's loss. I mean, we had to kind of expect some aggression guys, right? You know, half their defense is out. Gabe Davis still looking pretty hobbled. But uh, I think the heat was a real factor. And I think that uh, Stefan Diggs, he cramped up as well late in the fourth quarter. Xavier Howard was really a nightmare out there, guys. And uh, yeah, River Craycraft scores a touchdown again this week. Put that in your sports trivia questions for this week, fellas. And uh, him and Xander Horvath will start a new buddy cop film together. I'm thinking. <laughs> what was the number on that one this week? Uh, he was plus 700 after hitting at plus 2000 the previous week. So Xander Horvath, wow. unfortunately, his touchdown streak does come to an end. Uh, so maybe <laughs> we won't hear about him for the rest of the season. Yeah, the he was a big thing for me here. And it's going to mm-hmm. be a big factor. We'll come back to it on uh, the hot read later. Speaking of heat, I guess, no pun intended there. But I was stunned. I looked at the numbers after this. We knew we had a close game here, right? Back and forth. We're down to the end. The Buffalo Bills in this game ran 90 offensive plays. You know how many plays the Dolphins ran? 39. The Dolphins ran 39 plays to 90 for the Bills. Buffalo had 497 yards, 285 more than the Dolphins. They had the ball twice as long, almost 41 minutes out of the 60. They had 31 first downs to 15. By all the numbers, this was a dominant performance by Buffalo, but... Josh Allen got strip sack inside the 10. That led to a quick score for Miami. Buffalo missed a field goal. Buffalo had that first and goal where they didn't get in. They had kind of the time fail just right at the end of the game where they maybe would have had one more shot to still steal the win. Buffalo's offense dominated this game. And I think Miami's defense got absolutely exhausted. Like you mentioned the heat, they couldn't get off the field. And that's what we saw last week against Baltimore too. This defense can't get off the field. Buffalo had... A 10-play, 75-yard drive, 14-play, 75-yard drive, 20 for 87, 17 for 73. This is not quick strike. This is we're bleeding you out on the field in the 1,000-degree Miami heat. And uh, the Dolphins play Thursday, coming off this heat stroke game, and I think that's going to be a big deal going forward. My takeaway here is, hey, the Dolphins won the game. This is a buy-low spot for Buffalo. This is a sell-high spot for Miami. I'm not out on Miami. They got the win. It matters. But Miami exhausted out of the heat. We don't know what that Tua injury is. That is a suspicious spot to me. Buffalo looks great here. Like, this is a loss. Buffalo is not going to go 17-0. Sorry, had to find out this way. But I'm not really backing off of Buffalo here. If anything, I think we get a little value going forward with them. Another chaotic pie that we saw today, and you'll sense a theme in our deep dish pizza discussion, Colts home to Kansas City. Colts open up as a six and a half point dog, moves to five and a half. Then you get to four and a half and you're thinking, Matt Ryan, the Colts, this looks terrible. Like they've got to get a a young quarterback in the building and figure this thing out. You got Pittman coming off an injury, but then – Kansas City, uncomfortable. They don't get an extra point because they got, I thought Danny Amendola was kicking extra points all of a sudden. No, it's a different Amendola. What's happening? Travis Kelsey even tweeted after he felt like they came up short and they did. Colts win 2017. Jill, they went outright and they cover the four and a half points. So the uh, six and a half would have got there obviously as well. Yeah. And the Chiefs have one or two of these games a year where they just throw this ultimate dud sleepwalk hand off the wheel 
I mean, you have to think, guys, like they're 13 and three in September in the time that Mahomes is the quarterback. These type of games don't really happen that often, but every once in a while they do. And then you just see this kind of discombobulation from what is supposed to be probably a top five offense in this in this league. Right. Um, Surprisingly, though, the Colts, it's the secondary that showed up like they got demolished through two weeks by both the Jags and Texans. I would argue that's not close to when you're comparing passing offenses in the NFL. But so you would think there would be some carryover and no defensive player of the year. Stephon Gilmer actually shows up and the Chiefs always score three points in the second half. Like, again, just things that you don't really anticipate happening coming into a matchup like this. And then Matt Ryan pretty much did everything he could do to lose the game, like two fumbles lost, five sacks, taking the ultimate king of taking a sack on third down when you're in field goal range to be then now pushed out of field goal range. And then it pulls the drive out of his ass and scores this unbelievable touchdown, throwing it to Jelani Woods, who a rookie tight end who I thought was Mo Cox the first time he's caught a touchdown because they have the same build. Two catches, two touchdowns, plus 2,000 anytime touchdown today. Again, just this game really drove me crazy because I really wanted a lot of points in this game, and I did not get that. Yeah, this is a a game where you've got to look past just the traditional Matt Ryan numbers, too. You look at the line, 27 to 37, 222 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Seems good, right? That's pretty good. Matt Ryan, you showed up for the team. Big spot. You had to do it. Not a good game. Not not good. Matt Ryan, five sacks. He fumbled the ball twice. He, he can't move in the pocket. And to be fair, he has no pocket. This offensive line stinks. This is a line that as recently as going into last season was supposed to be a top three to five line in the league, like the strength of the Colts team. And Matt Ryan can't get any time, can't move in the pocket. For me, the story of the game besides that was, and Brandon, you mentioned this, so the Chiefs special teams. And this is a heartbreaker for me. I've never seen Andy Reid. Andy Reid and Dave Taub, special teams coach, they are the king of special teams. They beat you with special teams. We had a missed extra point. That's one point. We missed a field goal. That's four points. We muffed a punt Mm -hmm. and led to a touchdown. They gave them the ball on like the four-yard line, the first drive of the game from the Chiefs. That's another seven. We had a fake field goal that failed, so we didn't get those three points. Basically, the Chiefs gifted 14 points to the Colts on special teams in this game. And the Colts won by a field goal. So here's my note from this game. This is going to be billed, I think, as, hey, the Colts, they saved their season. They did it. They beat the Chiefs. I don't feel like the Colts saved their season. I think they maybe just delayed the funeral. So I am looking to bet against the Colts. Jill, you've been more on the Colts than me. Uh, Did this save the season for you? No, um, but I will say that the Matt Ryan truthers out there just got to give it a break. Like it's over. He's 37. This isn't Tom Brady. You know, not all quarterbacks age gracefully, you know, and I just think that's the one thing is that this revolving door of quarterbacks that the Colts have been doing every year, um, mind you that we saw, we just saw Carson Wentz just have probably his worst game as a professional, <laughs> you know, so I don't really know if they were really trading much to that. Um, but yeah, the Colts again, one, one, and one, I guess it stands for something right now in this <laughs> AFC conference, but, uh, I'm going to hold out hope that they could still somehow nab the one seed by the end of the year. But again, there is <laughs> no way that I'm like, I would feel comfortable right now telling anybody else to put a bet on that. And our other deep dish game, while a little sloppier, not as sexy, not as yummy with toppings, not as deep as these other two, but 
Packers, Bucks, you, you get the the awe of Brady Rodgers. Is it the final time? And then you see these receivers out there. You're like, holy crap. I mean, what the hell's going on? You know, Dobbs, great game for the Packers, but Watson's ruled out for Green Bay. Oh, Sammy Watkins is on injured reserve. The football season's back, everybody. And uh, not to mention Tampa. Holy crap. Tampa's got Cole Beasley out there. Perryman. Uh, Russell Gage, who was an offseason pickup, but piecing it together, both sides here. And just, Brandon, it felt like Green Bay was trying to give Tampa the game to get him back in the ball game. It just could come through. It did, yeah. Tom Brady throws a touchdown to Russell Gage. 14 seconds left. Questionable. There was an uncalled delay of game, one of those where the clock hits zero, and it's like, well, we got to wait a second for the ref to blow the whistle. You know, it's Tom. They're never going to call that on Tom. So Tom throws the touchdown. They got to line up for two. They get another delay of game that they actually call. Leonard Fournette looked like he's going to walk in on it. You need the two to tie, incomplete pass. So Packers hold on to win. It did feel like they were kind of just preventing their way right into, I guess, into overtime. They wouldn't have lost in regulation. Good that we had that, at least, because this was the game of the week, and this was not a good game. This was a dud. We had second half. We had punt, fumble, punt, punt, interception, field goal. Punt, 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 seven in a row, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, everyone, and then the touchdown and then the field onside and we got out of here. So little did we know how good we had it until we got to that night game. Like we would have brought back all the Rodgers, Brady's games in the world before that. But my, my takeaway is this, Tampa's offense is not good. Tampa's offense is really struggling. They have three touchdowns for the season. They have three touchdowns in three games. They had 285 yards today. And the scary thing is that might be their best offensive game of the season so far. This might have been a high point for the Bucs. These teams were not good. Neither team could run the ball. It matters because Green Bay is good. Tampa is good. They're going to be there in January. We're going to be talking about this game because this tie break is going to matter. And the Packers, yeah. you get the win. You got Patriots, Giants, Jets, Commanders next. So the Packers are staring at 6-1 and one, heading to Buffalo after that. You just got to get it to win sometimes. Yeah, honestly, guys, this, if I'm using the pizza analogy, what this reminded me of is you see a pizza really nice on the menu. It looks great. And then you get it and there's just chunks of meat displaced everywhere. There's some waitress's hairs in it, whatever. It's just, <laughs> it's just not what you ordered. But preseason wise, you thought this was going to be a great matchup. And it just turned out to be, again, another dud, 14 to 12. I mean, I think, I think the Bucks offense looks a lot like the way that, Tom Brady in the final season in New England looked like when you have no elite yeah. weapons on the field, you just look ordinary. And that was the thing. Like you got no Evans, Godwin's still out. There's not that Gronk type of running the seams type of tight end, you know, that, that's available. Cameron Braid is doing his best impression, but it's not the same. Brandon, I'm, I'm kind of on the flip side that what you're thinking. Like I am encouraged because again, I feel like their offense will get better just as the season goes, as they get guys back but the defense has been awesome. Like it just yeah. continues to be elite against the run, like 2.7 yards per carry on the season. Now, no rushing touchdowns allowed yet. They're uh, one of five teams. If you, if you include the Cowboys and giants, which are playing Monday night, they're one of uh, three teams uh, to not have a rushing touchdown allowed yet this year, the Jags, the Broncos and the bucks. And again, tell me which one of these teams is not like the other did not expect the Jags to be included in that conversation. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, another pick that I was giving out on the show on best bets, he continued his INT streak in Florida, three straight games now with an interception in Tampa. That was a plus 220 hit. Uh, Packers' Romeo Dobbs, as you said, uh, Brandon, 
finally hits a touchdown this season after his offseason hype. That was a plus 260 touchdown hit. But really, other than the implications of like, you know, some NFC playoff seating down the road and, you know, tiebreakers and whatnot, like this game just was not as fun as what was given to me and told to me on paper. Uh, and got a little interesting at the end with a two point conversion, but otherwise that could have been, I could have, I could have done with that. Okay. Well, even though I can't unsee the the hair now in the pizza, uh, we are going to take a step back and knock it down a peg, go to the New York style. Right here is my favorite New York pizza joint. And I'm going to go get me a New York slice. Uh, we got a handful of games here. We'll spend just a couple minutes on each of these and we'll, uh, we'll rotate our analysts in here. So BA, we'll start with you with Vegas, Tennessee, this is the number one seed from a year ago, and they jumped out to an early lead. The Raiders did make it interesting, but the Titans, they win outright, and they cover plus two. Yeah, if you're watching this one on Red Zone, like a lot of us do these days, yeah. you wouldn't really see a lot from this game until suddenly we got to the end, and for like 20 minutes, the Raiders are in the Red Zone trying to score a touchdown to tie it up. It's like play after play after play. They literally ran eight plays in the red zone near the end of the game. Finally score a touchdown to Jill's guy. Matt Collins gets in uh, mm. plus 400, right, Jill? This is correct. Yeah, big hit there, but they missed the two Titans win. Here's the thing. If you only saw those eight plays in the red zone, you saw the game because here's what happened <laughs> the entire game. I was surprised when I looked into this. So Vegas had the ball nine times. They got into the red zone six out of the nine times. They just couldn't do anything when they got there. They were two of six in the red zone. They were one of 12 on third down. Vegas ran 25 plays in the red zone for 53 yards, including an interception, a fumble, two false starts, and then the failed two-pointer, and we'll count that one in there. So they just didn't get the job done, but they moved the ball pretty well. I, I came away more impressed with the Raiders, even though they took the loss here. Vegas is the only 0-3 team in the league. So... This is going to be, uh, I think, some by-low spots for the Raiders going forward. Josh McDaniels got to get a win at some point. You know, we knew this was going to be a tough division, but it was ugly executing when you had to do it. Derek Carr hit one of those plus-money interceptions, but the Raiders are moving the ball. I, I feel better about the Raiders than I do about the Titans, even though the Titans got the win. Let's go to Lions and Vikings, Jill. The Vikings do win this football game, 28 to 24, but the lovable Lions, they cover and get there, plus six and a half. Vikings are, or Lions are proving they can score. Amon Ross St. Brown is a freaking stud, mm -hmm. but uh, they, they, they just can't stop anybody. And we'll see what happens to Dalvin Cook here going forward, too. Yeah, and the Lions coming into that fourth quarter of that game had a touchdown in every quarter of the game so far. They had 11 touchdowns in 11 straight quarters, could not score in the fourth. And here I thought again, going into the fourth quarter, they're up uh, 10 points. And I'm thinking, oh man, like same old Vikings. Like, here we go. They're about to get blown out at home by this Detroit Lions team, really. And uh, yeah, they scored 14 on answer points in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't Dalvin Cook or it wasn't Justin Jefferson. Like it was KJ Osborne and Alex Madison cleaning it up. Uh, and the Lions, they actually had like an 88% win probability after the Madison touchdown, 24 to 21. And they turned it over on fourth down. The Vikings marched down the field, win the game with 25 seconds left. So again, just one of those things where I think in past years, I'm not sure if the Vikings would have won that game. So uh, kudos to them, two and one now. We'll see where it goes from there. Jags and Chargers next up to discuss. Big win for the Jags, 38-10. Justin Herbert, Brandon, ends up playing in this game, and the line movement was crucial. You could have got it at three, three and a half, meaning to take the Chargers minus three or minus three and a half. But if you got the Jags plus seven early in the week, kudos to you because the Jags ended up kicking ass. 
Yeah, and this is one where this was every bit as dominant as it looks. Like sometimes these 38 10s, I've got the numbers that say, hey, it was a little closer. No, not this one. This was a beatdown. Jacksonville ended an 18-game road losing streak. You only play uh, eight road games a year, so 18 is a lot. That's a long time for Jacksonville. Jaguars are looking pretty good. That defense is looking really good. The pass rush, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, they're really getting after guys. The big story for me is just those Chargers injuries. I mean, isn't yeah. it always the big story? We know Justin Herbert. He played, clearly is not healthy right now. But it's not just that. We are Corey Lindsley, the stud center, already out. Now Rayshon Slater, second-year left tackle. He leaves the game. That's your two best offensive linemen for a team that badly needed those guys before last year. They've changed that team. Joey Bosa went out. Keenan Allen, star receiver, still out. And J.C. Jackson had the weird offseason injury, came back last week maybe a little too early, and then was a late scratch today too. If you took this roster and listed off who are our top 10 guys on the team, that's seven of them. That's seven guys who are injured or maybe missing right now. So we're not panicking yet, but this is a rough spot for the Chargers our Jags eight to one worst to first division feeling pretty good about that right now. But uh, if you read my article with the look ahead, I gave out on the podcast, gave out a different one, but my second one was chargers for Texans. Don't go buying that one right now. We got to wait on these injuries. You don't want to invest in chargers till we see how these injuries come out. By the way, AFC South went three and zero against the AFC West today, the AFC South who could not win a game in week one, is undefeated against the best division in football history. Let's spend a quick minute here on Rams and Cardinals. This is a game I felt like kind of went to script in the sense that the Rams really needed those first two weeks to figure out their crap, get it together. They cover three and a half points. They win 20 to 12. Cooper Cup, first career rushing touchdown. And Stafford wasn't great. Cardinals make it a little interesting there at the end, sort of. They're within a score. But uh, yeah, McVay owns Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and Kingsbury, as Brandon had pointed out, if you follow him on the Action Network app, he eloquently stated in his description, fade Cliff Kingsbury against good head coaches, and look what you saw. And again, not to Kingsbury's credit, but just I don't want to necessarily take put all the blame on him because they just had no offense to speak of, like no wide receiver depth. A.J. Green is out. Like Greg Dorch, he's good but should not be getting 10 plus targets in a week. Like again, when that's happening, that's when you know that your offense may be a little broken and you just have no depth. Um, the Rams defense pretty much smothered them, you know, from a dink and dunk standpoint, that's all Kyler could really do 4.8 yards per pass. Uh, that's just not going to work on the Rams who play like a lot of bracket zone coverage like that. Um, but yeah, it just uh, overall, just another shit sandwich for the Eclipse Kingsbury Cardinals. Quick stop to the freezer. We're going to grab some frozen pizzas and run through these other games. It's just, they don't deserve as much attention as these other ones. It's not delivery. And it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. It's very nearly pizza, but not quite. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. But let's move it right along here. The Carolina Panthers, shout to both of you. Uh, best bets from Thursday. Panthers money line, Jill Gallant. Uh, Brandon Anderson was also on, on Carolina as well. A kitchen sink spot for the Panthers. They get there 22-14. They cover two and a half BA. Yeah, you said it all. It's a great kitchen spot. Carolina came through with the win they had to get. Probably save Matt Rule's job, at least for a while. Panthers really weren't that good in this game. The Saints numbers are a lot better, and they just made a lot of mistakes. They had three turnovers and gave this one away. But Carolina got it done for Jill and I. 
the big part that I take away from Patriots Ravens is the future of Mac Jones with the Patriots. Luckily, X-rays are negative, but yeah, Jill, Lamar Jackson, five total touchdowns today. He was pretty damn good. Yeah, he might be MVP right now. I'm wrestling right now with the idea if it's him or Jalen Hurts, but uh, I got to say, it's probably one of the most boring games I've ever watched where 60 points were scored. Like, honestly, like Mac Jones rushed for the first touchdown of his career. He looked like he was running in slow motion, Uh, like hurt his ankle near the end of the game. High ankle sprain. If you saw the pictures of him, they looked like he was writhing in pain. He's either the the most dramatic actor I've ever seen or he's legitimately hurt. Cincinnati Jets, another spot. Kitchen sink game, Brandon Anderson. Cincinnati gets there. Jets really never had a shot. Yeah, to me, Zach Taylor got the memo. We've been complaining. Stop running the ball. Let Joe Burrow play a little football. They come out of the gates. First drive, 10 out of the first 11 plays, passes right down the field. 17 of their first 21 plays were pass plays. They get two touchdowns. They're scoring four of their first five drives. This is the Bengals offense that we saw late last year, the one that made the Super Bowl run. Jill Gallant, this is another game. This game really frozen pizza-esque. Philadelphia, Washington, you said it earlier. Carson Wentz maybe played his worst game as a pro. Eagles win 24-8. to We, a safety and a touchdown late Antonio Gibson. But Eagles get there minus six and a half. Yeah, this was one of those games where it was like the frozen pizza that just comes with three tiny little slices of pepperoni. You know what I mean? Just a couple little sprinkles of cheese and just something that resembles sauce. Okay, Washington is trash. Like, bring back the football team. I'm I'm done with the commanders. I can't do this anymore. But Jalen Hurts, another solid day throwing the ball. Again, not really used to saying that because he's more of a running quarterback. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown combined for over like 250 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. So I guess at this point with 3-0, and we're probably, you know, I think we could just set it now. Dolphins-Eagles Super Bowl is coming up. And, uh, you know, guys, I just really find it funny that 18 months ago, Eagles fans were legitimately pissed that they replaced Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts. Houston-Chicago, just kind of a smelly matchup in the first place, no matter how the game went. The Bears <laughs> went outright. They're 2-1, and 23-20. The Texans, though, cover that late plus four. Yeah, look, God bless Davis Mills. Interception with a minute left. Saved us from overtime. Nobody needed more Bears-Texans. Justin Fields, 23 completions. Wait, no, sorry. 23 completions for the season so far. He had eight completions, a season high. Chicago, throw the ball. We're in 2022. What are we doing? Jill Gallant, your last thoughts here at Seattle, Atlanta. Brandon Henderson put this on Twitter. It's so good. I mean, it would actually be a good game if anyone cared about it. I don't think anyone cared about this game. Falcons do an outright a kitchen sink spot. They get their first win of the season. Yeah, I don't think anybody outside of the state of Georgia or uh, Washington watched this game. And they missed Cordero Patterson pretty much just doing what he wanted mm. against the Seahawks defense. 174 yards, 17 carries, and a touchdown. Geno, you know, did Geno things throwing a back-breaking interception as they're driving down the field. So you had to know that that was coming. Uh, both teams one and two now. I think, honestly, I know the NFL teams don't do this, but they should just be openly tanking. Like, you cannot succeed with these quarterbacks. Uh, it's just so awful to watch from Mariota and Geno. So, you know, bring back the tank. Become the Utah Jazz. Go for it. Last and definitely least, the embarrassing shit show in Denver. Wow. Broncos win 11 to 10. They do cover plus one and a half. Yeah. Brandon Anderson, let's ride as the interview closed before we started recording. Yeah, this is the food poisoning pizza. This was a show we all came to see. Mitch Wisnowski and Corliss Waitman, the punters, 838 yards combined on 17 punts. That's pretty much your highlights for the night. It was either that or the fullback running a pass route and getting a toe tap down with the coverage edge rusher. Like these seriously are the highlights of Sunday night football, 11 to 10. 
we get combined 127 plays from the Niners and Broncos for a minus 33 EPA. Like that, that is pretty much the offense that we saw tonight. This was ugly. The only thing you need to know, if you didn't yet from this game, Trent Williams, stud left tackle, the best offensive lineman in the league, left the game for San Francisco. It's why they lost, and it's the name you need to know about before you check this team and play them forward. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. Big yikes. And Jill, I, I know you, you hate, you can't stand Russell Wilson. I, 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 I don't want to get started, man, because I feel like I'm just going to end this podcast. I'm just going to be yelling and I'll end up waking my kids up, and I don't want to do that. But I think what I'm just, I'm sick and tired of watching the Broncos. Like they're just on these islands, like a Monday night, then they get Sunday night, and then they're in the afternoon slot. And then we got three more primetime games of watching this trash offense of Russell Wilson, just not being Russell Wilson. He's not a good quarterback. This offense isn't fun to watch. Stop making me think the Denver Broncos are a thing. But they're two and one and they're tied for first in the division. So we shall see what it looks like against the Raiders next week. Okay. There's your 14 game recap. Sure smells like pizza. That was their intention. Just eat some. Hell no. Monday night football giants home against the Dallas Cowboys. It is still Cooper rush under center. For Dallas, Giants minus one, the total at 39 and a half. Brandon, I'm going to give it to Jill first since he's the, the Cowboys fan. He's got the, he's got the big star on the jacket today. Jill, how are you feeling about your Cowboys here? Well, I think our Lord and Savior, Cooper Rush, will be able to uh, keep us uh, in the know, keep us close. I'm not necessarily predicting a blowout, uh, but I mean, a 20-point win, I think, will be pretty convincing, right? No, no. I, I mean, really... I'm not feeling great about this. I mean, it's still Cooper Rush. We're still going into New York. But again, you do have Daniel Jones on the other side of the field. He's bound to throw something that's really smelly in the fourth quarter that is going to give the Cowboys a chance. But I'm more leaning towards some touchdown picks probably for this game, if anything, instead of a side in total. So right now I'm really liking Sterling Shepard at plus 275 right now through two games, uh, playing the slot role, playing over 80% of the snaps, uh, second in red zone targets. I like Matt Breda as well, just as like a backup running back, a little zigzag play. I think a lot of people are going to be hammering. Uh, Saquon Barkley props. So I think you can get Matt Breda right now around plus 1,000 to score a touchdown. I might put like a half unit on that. And then on the Cowboys side, probably thinking Noah Brown. He got targeted a lot in week one and week two. He, uh, he did score in week two against the Bengals. Right now, I think he's been the most consistent wide receiver for the Cowboys so far. Brandon Anderson, your outlook of uh, tonight's game between Dallas and the Giants. Yeah, I think I'll be staying away from the touchdown props in this one because I like the under. I'm taking the under 39 and a half. Look, even with Cooper Rush on my rankings, even the downgraded Dallas offense still rates ahead of the 2-0 Giants offense. We do not have a lot of offense coming to this game, and we have a really good defense, at least one in Dallas. Micah Parsons, probably the defensive player of the year through September at least, has been awesome. The Giants O-line is not good. I just don't see a lot of scoring coming this game. And look, we're at primetime unders, I believe, are 7-2 and two now. They certainly went under on the night game tonight. Daniel Jones at home, unders are 15-5 to five for him. September unders, we got another September game here. Uh, since 2014, when the total is 37-40 to 40, like this one, 15 unders out of 24, 60% there. So these teams so far have played in games with 41, 40, 40, and 22 points. This feels like an under to me. If you want to play a side two, I like at FanDuel, you can combine the under, so under 39 and a half, plus the Cowboys plus 2.5. Now I know the line has dropped, 
But this is one of those parlays. Look under the parlay section at FanDuel. And because it opened at two and a half, you still get that one there. It's plus 250 together. So Cowboys to cover and hit the under. When teams that are 2-0 and are favored by four or less in week three, the books know, they know, if they're not making a big favorite, that the other team is probably better. That's the case here. Those teams are 14-21-1 against the spread. Only cover 40% of the time. It's a great spot to back the underdog in a low total game. I think you play the Cowboys and the under, plus 250, you get both of those. Okay, Cowboys right now uh, on the money line are at minus 102 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But it also, she said 7-2, and two, primetime unders, and then you got the road underdog narrative too, 14-9 uh, and nine ATS uh, at this point in the season, not counting, of course, tomorrow night's game. So all stuff that relates to what your parlay uh, could reflect as well. Okay, before we wrap the show, Time to take a quick look at NFL Week 4 lines. Kick off the hot read. Hot rock. Blue 17. On dice rights. Ice cream. Jose. Blue the Raiders. 19 seven. 19. Louisville Soul Train. In this segment, the guys are going to discuss any spreads, totals, whatever they might be looking to target a week in advance. It's not always about analysis in this spot, folks, uh, of the matchup. It's anticipating the number, the shift in the number. Before kickoff, you get the best of the number. Brandon Anderson, you've done a good job. I'm not going to talk about Thursday night. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but so far, so good. I mean, you were on it, but it just didn't go well. On the Whatever. You, 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 folks, go, go to Twitter and just find it there. But anyway, where are we looking on this Sunday night, Monday morning to next week? Yeah, so we're going hot read in the heat because we talked about the heat with the Dolphins and I am fading the wilted Dolphins defense. I'm going to take the Bengals at home back to Thursday night. Thursday night has served me so well lately. Let's do it again. I'll take the Bengals to cover. Now, the Bengals right now are minus three. You got to follow on the Action Network app because if you follow, you saw me put this one in a few hours ago, Sunday night at minus one and a half. We're already moving towards Cincinnati here. Grab it at three if you can. Here's the spot. Miami defense just played 90 snaps in the heat, gave up 500 yards almost, 40 minutes on the field. They couldn't get off the field against Baltimore. The corners are banged up. We don't know what shape Tua is in or even if he will definitely play. Also, the Dolphins love to blitz. That's the Josh Boyer defense. Guess who eats the blitz for breakfast, lunch, and supper? It's Joe Burrow. They're passing the ball. The Bengals are back. I like them to get another one and knock off the undefeated Dolphins. Do the 72 team pop the champagne on themselves if that happens? I don't really know, but they're going down. Bengals minus three. Okay, and you got one more for us. I do. I'm going to also take the Cardinals. I did not expect to be back in the Cardinals here. My Cliff Kingsbury hatred. But this line, the Cardinals are underdogs. To the Carolina Panthers, the Cardinals are plus one and a half underdogs. The line moved on this game about four points because of Sunday's action. That does not make any sense to me. The Panthers didn't look good. The Panthers got the win, but they did not look good. The Cardinals pretty much matched the Rams swing for swing. They just couldn't convert in the red zone. Matt Rule, Carolina coach, is 3-10 and against the spread as a favorite. Let me tell you, I'm going to make a proclamation right now. This is going to be the last time you ever get to bet against Matt Rule as a favorite. It's never happening again. He's going to lose this game, and he's going to lose a bunch more after that, and he's not going to be a favorite again because he ain't going to make it that much longer. So if you get Cliff Kingsbury against a great coach, get out of here. 
Matt Rule, not a great coach. Cliff Kingsbury against mortal coaches. That was literally a trend I have in, in Bet Labs. 16-2-1 against the spread as an underdog. So that's if you exclude McVay, Peyton, Tomlin, Reed, Harbaugh, and Arians against any coaches but those guys. He has won six straight as an underdog, covered by 11 points a game in his 19 tries. So this is not going to stay an underdog for long. You just said that, and I pulled up their schedule quickly, right? After the Cardinals game. These are their <laughs> next bad. six of their next seven opponents. I'll just, I'll just give you all seven of them. Niners, Rams, Bucks. They go to Atlanta, but they could very well be a dog in that game, not a favorite. Bengals, and then they play the Falcons again. And then they play the Ravens and the Broncos. Holy crap. Yeah, and you know what? They're going to keep losing, and by the time they lose all those games and get to Atlanta, they're going to be an underdog in those games too. I'm telling you, this is it. Matt Rule, this is your last chance ever to bet on Matt Rule as an NFL favorite. Get your money in. Love it. Love it. Jill, any closing thoughts before we uh, get out of here? Well, just the Patriots and Packers line at minus nine and a half right now for Packers at home. I think uh, we talked about this off air just quickly before we came on about how the the line has already moved from six and a half like this morning to now nine and a half with the news of Mac Jones having that high ankle sprain and potentially not playing. But I think for everybody who has watched football for more than, say, five years and have seen a decent sample size of Brian Hoyer uh, as an NFL quarterback, I can't say that that line should be less than 10. And I feel like that line is going to move more into the Packers' favor. So if you think the Packers are going to win this game and cover it, and like I do, probably win by two scores or more if Brian Hoyer is the quarterback, I've been getting on it now because I think that line just under the key number is decent, whereas by the time it gets to maybe 10.5, maybe even 11.5, it might not have as much value. We'll find out what that MRI reveals on Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. That is going to do it, everybody, for our weekly recap episode here on the action network podcast nfl week four our monday night football preview giants and cowboys guys like an under guys also like the cowboys in this spot and also our hot read picks you can find all the picks over on the action network app just go ahead and search in the search bar action network nfl uh, best bets and you'll find our picks there from the pod for brandon anderson joe gallant brendan glasheen we'll catch you again for best bets friday and then also back sunday night for a monday episode for the weekly recap. We'll see you.